seems like whenever you move, I don't know if you've had that experience, but whenever you move, there's this moment of reality check. And I know that definitely happened for me when I moved here three years ago. And the reality check starts when you realize you have to pack this multi-level four-bedroom house into a couple of small moving pods. Right? It's, it, that's when the reality check starts. But it really continues and it really intensifies once you actually start paring down things for the move. So this is probably where it really hit me. Um, you go into the, the kids' rooms, right? And everything's there from when they were really young even. And, and you look in the closets and you see the, the Barbies and you see the My Little Ponies and the Little Pet Shop and the Nerf toys and the, the sports things. And, and you look at them and what do they represent? You remember the smiles on birthdays, right? And you remember the, the surprise on Christmas morning and yet they can't go. So... On Marketplace, they go for $5, $10, right? I go into my closet, and I, I look, and I've got so many clothes, so many things I, I don't wear anymore. And, but I look at them, and there's suits, and there's shirts, and there's, there's pants, all these things that kind of represent some splurges at some point where it gave me a lot of satisfaction. But you only have so many of those wardrobe boxes, and so into the Goodwill bin it goes. You go outside in the, in the shed, and there's all this outdoor stuff, and, and there the, uh, the outdoor furniture is, and there's the table, and you think about all the gatherings with friends and, and family, but it's not in great condition, so off to the garbage it goes. You, you think about that, and these are things that you once had to have, that I had, once had to have, that, that I couldn't live without, that were valuable to me that represent a lot of happiness, and it just goes away. And you would, that's the reality check. Because you start thinking, oh my goodness, this is my happiness, all my stuff. But then the reality hits you. It's not that stuff, right? You still have the things that really bring you joy. Your family, your relationships, right? That's the reality check that I'm, I'm talking about here. So sometimes we need a reality check of where we actually find our true joy. And this morning, as we turn to God's word, we're going to find that reality check. The Holy Spirit is going to give us that reality check when it comes to our relationship with God. I think when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our relationship with God, there are a lot of things that we can hold on to, maybe even really good things that we think those are the source of our joy. But today we're going to see that there's really only one source of joy, and it's what we've been talking about all morning so far. It's Christ. In Christ alone. I don't know if the Apostle Paul ever had that kind of a reality check. He certainly was on the move a lot, right? I don't know if he ever had to pack his stuff the way that we do when we move, but there were definitely things that he had around him, the things that, that he held on to that he thought were a source of joy. And it's not exactly in our text, in our verses, but right before that, he he tells us these things that really brought him joy. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, oh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, which means spotless, right? For zeal, 
uh, persecuting the church as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. You see what he's holding on to? There were a lot of things that he did. There, was a lot, there were things that he was a part of. There was this reputation that he had that he was sure were the source of his happiness, his joy. And probably even more than that, he was pretty sure that this was the source of God's happiness with him. Definitely the source of joy, right? Well, that all changed one day. Uh, Jesus actually appeared to him. And uh, he was going about his, his work to, to persecute more Christians. And Jesus appears to him to, to convert him. And there in the blinding light of Jesus' perfection, his righteousness, as the grit of the sand filled his teeth because he was on his face before him, he came to the realization that, you know what, maybe those things, maybe those things are not the source of my joy. And that's the whole point of Jesus appearing to him. He wanted him to realize there was something else. And, and that realization, that's what brought him to write, or at least think the thoughts that he writes about here in Philippians. Remember those things we talked about, the things that he thought were gained to him? Well, whatever were gains to me, he says, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. All those things that Paul was holding on to, he says, now they're a loss. But in a loss, there was actually a gain. Because what did Paul gain? Christ. Right? Can you imagine before holding on to all those other things? There must have been so much doubt and worry deep down inside. Have I done enough? Is it good enough? Is God really happy with me? That's what he lost. And what he gained was confidence and assurance that for every time that he failed, Christ lived up to the law. And that perfection was his. That righteousness was his by faith in Jesus now. He gained everything because of Christ's righteousness. At this time of the year, I think it's easy for Lutherans to kind of identify with Paul very easily. Um, October 31st, is the date that we celebrate uh, Lutheran Reformation. Um, it's the day we celebrate how Jesus, through uh, many people, including Martin Luther, just kind of refocused everything back on Christ and Christ alone. I don't know if you've realized this, but actually we've been celebrating the Reformation for four weeks now. This is the fourth week because um, the foundations of, of our faith that we've been talking about, the cornerstones, those are also the pillars of the Reformation. Grace alone, faith alone. Scripture alone, Christ alone. So as we talk about those things, we can swell up with pride, can't we? Wow. Peace, Lutheran Church. We are heirs of the Reformation. We belong to a church of the Reformation. And if you grew up in a Lutheran church, you probably got to learn a lot of the catechism that Martin Luther wrote. 
We, saw, we, taught, we uh, recited some of it today, didn't we? And even if you didn't grow up inside the Lutheran church, you know a lot of Bible passages. And as Lutherans, we appreciate coming to worship and, and singing and praying and, and serving and, and giving to God. And I want to say right now, you, you think that I'm going to turn these into a bad thing. I'm not. Those are good things. Those are blessings. But we can turn them into a danger. How can we do that? You think we can be like Paul a little bit? The danger is turning spiritual blessings, works of God in our lives, into prideful accomplishments of our own. Right? Where's our confidence? Where's our joy? Do we think that God is happy with us because of those things? That is when it become, can become a danger. And that's when we need to kind of turn to these words and have Jesus do what he did to Paul. Right? That's where we realize that we have to say this. I consider those things, not the things in themselves, but me turning those things into my prideful accomplishments. Anything for my gain, I consider now garbage. And this is an interesting word. Have you ever, have you ever taken a, a foreign language? What are the words you always learn first? The naughty words, right? I'll teach you a naughty Greek word. This word is skubala. <laughs> and it is a naughty Greek word, and it's in the Bible, so it's okay to say in church. It's the word for manure, but the word that the farmer will actually say. It really is. I mean, this is how much garbage it is. This is waste that needs to be disposed of so that you can get to the, the real goal, right? Anything of ours, this is what it is. Garbage, waste. And we look at that and we think that's a loss, right? How's God going to be happy with me? How am I going to have joy in my life? But remember, just like it was with Paul, it is for us. Whatever is lost is actually gained because what are we gaining? Christ. You don't have to look to some church attendance record to have confidence before God. You don't have to look at, at, the, at the outward membership of a, of a church to have confidence before God. You don't have to wonder if you've ever done enough to make God happy with you. This remind, When you get rid of all those things, it reminds you how God sees you. By faith, when he sees you, he sees Jesus. He sees one who is wrapped in the righteousness of Christ. And so we don't lose our joy at all. In fact, we gain it, right? The first point is we realize that our joy is found in the righteousness of Christ alone. There's one more source of joy. And to introduce that, I want to tell you about, there's, there's this, there was this church that was near my house when I was growing up. And when it, whenever we went into the city to go to the mall or something, um, we would have to drive by this church. And it was called the Joy Church. The Joy Church. And you think about what we're talking today. It's not such a bad name. But what annoyed me was it was a church with this on the side. Like, and this, just to be fair, this isn't the church. But this is almost exactly what it looked like. It was the biggest have a nice day smiley face on the front of the building that you could possibly see. And even as a, a young kid, it annoyed me. And I think this was why. Yes, we are happy as Christians, but doesn't this give the impression that Christians are always smiling? Is that true? 
There are a lot of things as Christians that bring us joy. I mean, being in worship, being in God's word, being with our brothers and sisters and being encouraged, all kinds of blessings that bring us happiness and make us smile, no doubt. But just because you're not smiling doesn't mean you're not a Christian. In fact, it happens a lot, right? Our life is full of sorrow and pain and sadness. We have difficulties, we have challenges, there are temptations, we have doubts, we have worries. So if we're not smiling, does that mean we're not Christian? I think that's what annoyed me about this. And, and Paul understood that. And that's why even as he talks about joy, he mentions this. He mentions that he wants to know about participating in Christ's sufferings. Participating in Christ's sufferings. What Paul is saying is that when Christ and Christ alone is your life, there's going to be suffering. Paul knew that, didn't he? I don't really imagine Paul as a smiley guy. He writes a lot about joy, but I don't imagine him smiley because you look at his life and, oh my goodness, arrested, thrown in jail a bunch of times, uh, beaten. He had rocks piled on him. People thought he was dead. He had to crawl out of those, and he's escorted out of town, rejected everywhere. I don't think he smiled a lot. I'm sure he did, but, and yet, in spite of all those sufferings, he writes this book of Philippians and read it sometime. It's four chapters and you just read it and count how many times he writes about joy. It, hundreds. How, how can he say that? Well, it's not that Paul is sugarcoating things. It's not that he got hit in the head with a rock too many times and he forgot about all the sufferings. There's a difference between happiness and joy. We may not always be happy, but we all can always have joy. And there's a secret to that. And Paul shares what it is. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the power of the resurrection. That was his secret to joy, lasting joy. So as you think about that, I'll, I'll make a personal application to, to my life. Um, so often when people find out uh, I'm a pastor, They'll always ask for the story. Ooh, why did you become a pastor? What big thing happened in your life that you're a Christian and that you're a pastor? And then, so I already am kind of like, ah, oh, man, I don't like that question. But then there's other things that, that add to that. I, I look at like, Paul, this great pastor, and he had all kinds of awesome stories, right? I mean, the near-death experiences, the, the mass baptisms that he had, all the traveling, like he had all kinds of stories. And then I, you know, especially as a younger pastor, I was, I had listened to all these veteran pastors tell me their great ministry stories. Oh, this happened and this happened. And then people ask me, I'm like, what's my big story? Why am I a Christian? Why am I a pastor? And I never had it. So I thought I had to think about it more. And all of a sudden I realized, absolutely, I have a story. I have this wow story. It, it, Probably the most incredible, miraculous story a person could have. Could I share it with you? So one day, a man sacrificed his life on the cross to rescue mine for eternity. And then, three days later, he came alive. That is amazing, isn't it? That is the wow story. And, and here's my point. 
There's only one way we can experience the unwavering joy that Paul had experienced here. It's not in trying to put a fake smile on my face all the time to convince people I'm happy. It's not because circumstances in my life are always happy, because they're not. Sometimes that'll happen, and we feel a mile high, but oftentimes they won't happen, and we feel a mile low. The secret to lasting joy is what Paul says here. I want to know the power of Christ and his resurrection. Why are you a Christian? What's your story? It's Christ's resurrection, right? That's why we're Christians. We are Christians because of what Jesus accomplished through his death on the cross and his empty tomb. Because what does it mean for you? All the really sad things and the really bad things like I talk about with the kids, those are gone. Your sin, your guilt, it is paid for. Your failure to live up to God's law, no matter how hard you try, it's covered, you're covered in Jesus' righteousness. That fear of death or anything that can, that can attack you, that's gone because Jesus' victory is your victory. And so no matter how high life gets, no matter how low life gets, your joy can be constant. Because your joy is found in the resurrection of Christ alone. You know, I mentioned at the beginning about moving and the reality check there was. And um, maybe you know me well enough by now to know that uh, I'm the emotional one in our family. I do get sentimental. And so I was worried about talking about the Barbies and all the, the toys and stuff like that. But, you know, when, when you're throwing that stuff away for an emotional guy, you're like, almost in tears, wondering, man, uh, I'm never going to be happy again. <laughs> you know, where, where's my joy? It's all going in the garbage. And then, and then besides that, you do, when you move, you, you move away from good neighbors and friends and, a, and another church family, and you're like, oh, am I going to be happy again? And then I get here, and my joy is full, and it's constant. And yes, it's a great part because of you, but even bigger than that, it's because of what we share isn't it? No matter what happens in our lives, the thing we share is what brings us joy. That we are people that God sees as perfect because of faith in Jesus. Our joy comes from the righteousness of Christ. And we are people who share a living hope because we have a living Savior. No matter what happens in our lives, no matter what circumstances come or go, our joy is found in the resurrection of Christ. And so that's what I pray that you leave here today knowing, is that in Christ, and in Christ alone, you truly have joy. Amen.